Hello, and welcome back to What is Politics? If you're a regular listener to this show, you'll notice that today and for the next few episodes, I'll be doing something a little different than usual. Normally, I put out scripted episodes that take me like three months to put out because of all the research and writing and editing that I need to do, plus my work life and life life. But you can't build an audience if you put out stuff every three months, and I have a lot of things that I want to talk about. So in between now and the next scripted episode that I'm working on, which will be What is Property, and which will get at the heart of how our civilization works, I'll be putting out some more informal stuff, like this spitball session episode, where I work through some ideas that I've been having, or answer some listener questions. And I'll be doing some interview episodes and conversations with friends and biographical details for that sweet parasocial candy. So let me know what you think. Don't be shy. Criticism is how we improve. Write to me in the YouTube comments or directly at worldwidescroats at gmail.com. And I want to thank you for your support and input, which means a lot to me. And let the cartoon begin. So earlier, I defined cancel culture as appeal to authority, usually an employer or an administration, to fire someone for saying things that we don't like or that the employer doesn't like. And I defined political correctness as censoring oneself for fear of facing the punishments and firings of the authorities or of some other person who will appeal to the authorities and all of the rules around the things that we can or can't say. And I pointed out that these are right-wing phenomenon in the sense that the right-wing is about, by definition, political hierarchy, decision-making hierarchy. And all of this stuff is about the hierarchy of the workplace, the owner firing you for doing or saying things that they don't like. And it doesn't matter whether you're using a right-wing excuse or a left-wing excuse, this cancel culture is a right-wing phenomenon. Just like in the Soviet Union, you had people running around waving red flags and touting Karl Marx's beards and using all these socialist terms, but they were using all of these symbols and ideas and words to prop up a hierarchical elite, a ruling class, which by definition is a right-wing political order. Now, I want to get at the heart of cancel culture. What is the root cause? What is the origin, the foundation of cancel culture? And in our society, the root of cancel culture is the employment contract. Now, in every historical era, in every political system, all political systems basically do the same thing, whether they're slavery, ancient despotisms, uh, the Soviet Union, or feudalism, or capitalism. All these political systems are about a minority of people owning and controlling resources that other people depend on to live. And because of that dependency relationship, the owner gets to tell the dependent people what to do. Now, in ancient times, let's say in feudalism, the justification for that would have been some religious justification. And today, the justification is supposedly voluntary contracts. But contracts are only as voluntary as the parties are powerful. The more powerful you are, the more rights a contract will give you, and the more things you will get out of that contract. And the less powerful you are, the more obligations you are going to render, and the, le the more things you're going to give away that you don't want to give away. That is a dependency relationship. And that's what an employment contract is. Just think of the word employment. To employ something is to use it. I employ a shovel to dig earth. Just like an employer, a user, 
uses an employee, a UZ, to shovel profits. Think of your employer using you as a shovel to dig in the ground with your face to dig uh, gold coins into their pocket. What the powers that be are so good at doing is taking left-wing sentiment, egalitarian sentiment, and poison-pilling it with ideas that turn those sentiments into hierarchical practice. So, Whereas employees should be joining together with each other against the authority of the boss, instead they are being divided up against each other. Whether it's with fake left-wing messages about, oh, you said the wrong word, you need to be fired, when it's really about, I want your job, so I'm going to get you fired, so I'm going to take your job, or I just want to be terrorizing people because it's fun and I like power. And then on the right, you have, well, we're upset at uh, George Soros and Bill Gates and Google because they have too much power. But instead of that sentiment equaling, well, let's reduce their power. Let's eliminate hierarchies of power. It just becomes about George Soros is putting Black Lives Matter, uh, putting trans people in our bathrooms or blah, 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 whatever. All this nonsense that is dividing us up against each other. These fake left-wing messages and these right-wing messages are dividing us up against each other instead of having us join together in solidarity against the powers that be. So I want to focus our attention on the right place, on the powers that be. And whether we think we're on the left or on the right, we don't like cancel culture. And I want to show you what the root, the foundation of cancel culture is. And in our society, that is the employment contract. So I'm going to read you this article from 2012 by Corey Robin, which is all about cancel culture. On pain of being fired... Workers in most parts of the United States can be commanded to pee, or forbidden to pee. They can be watched on camera by their boss while they pee. And there's links to every single one of these things, to stories, full stories. They can be forbidden to wear what they want, say what they want, and associate with whom they want. What's remarkable is just how many of these punishments are legal, and even when they're illegal, how toothless the law can be. Employees can be fired for donating a kidney to their boss, fired by that same boss refusing to have their person and effects searched. They have few rights on the job, certainly none of the first, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh amendment liberties that constitute the bare minimum of a free society. Thus, no free speech or assembly, no due process, no right to a fair hearing before a panel of their peers. And what rights they do have, employers will fight tooth and nail to make sure aren't made known to them, or will simply require them to waive as a condition of employment. Outside the prison or the military, which actually provide, at least on paper, some guarantee of due process. It's difficult to conceive of a less free institution for adults than the average workplace. In addition to abridging freedoms on the job, employers abridge their employees' freedoms off the job. Employers invade employees' privacy, demanding that they hand over passwords to their Facebook accounts, and fire them for resisting such invasions. Employers secretly film their employees at home. Workers are fired for supporting the wrong political candidates, work for John Kerry, or work for me, for failing to donate to employer-approved candidates, for challenging government officials, for writing critiques of religion on their personal blogs. IBM instructs employees to, quote, show proper consideration for topics that may be considered objectionable or inflammatory, such as politics and religion, on your personal blog at home. They can be fired for carrying on extramarital affairs, participating in group sex at home, cross-dressing, and more. Workers are punished for smoking or drinking in the privacy of their own homes, 
How many nanny states have tried that? So think about that. For all the dictatorial power of uh, Stalin in the Soviet Union, and they enslaved lots of people and murdered lots of people, nobody was forbidden to drink or smoke in the privacy of their own home. But if you're desperate enough and you sign a contract to the effect, you can effectively be forbidden to drink or smoke in your own home under pain, under threat of being fired. They can be fired for merely thinking about having an abortion, for reporting information that might have averted the Challenger disaster, for being raped by an estranged husband. And again, there's links to every one of these stories. Again, this is all legal in many states, and in the states where it is illegal, the laws are often weak. While employers often abridge workers' liberty off the job, at certain moments, those abridgments assume a larger function for the state particularly in a liberal state constrained by constitutional protections, such as the First Amendment. The instruments of coercion can be outsourced to, or shared with, the private sector. During the McCarthy period, for example, and if you think about it, that was the OG cancel culture era, right? At that time, as people who were saying or thinking left-wing things were under threat and constant fear of being fired. So political correctness and cancel culture were reigning supreme in the McCarthy era, uh, much more so than today. And at that time, it was explicitly a right-wing affair, whereas today, it's a right-wing affair, but disguised as a left-wing affair. You can also see explicitly right-wing cancel culture. Remember in the lead-up to the Iraq War, Phil Donahue literally got canceled, even though his was the most popular show in its time slot, because he kept bringing on too many anti-Iraq War people. And the Dixie Chicks band got canceled. They couldn't perform anywhere because they came out as against the war. In the McCarthy period, for example, fewer than 200 men and women went to jail for their political beliefs, but as many as 40% of American workers in both the public and private sectors were investigated, and a smaller percentage punished for their beliefs. In his Magisterial History of Reconstruction, W.E.B. Dubois noted that the decisive influence in suppressing the political agency of ex-slaves after the Civil War was, quote, the systematic and overwhelming economic pressure to which they were subjected. Though mindful of the tremendous violence public and private visited upon African Americans, Dubois also saw that much of the repression occurred in and through the workplace. Negroes who wanted work must not dabble in politics. Negroes who wanted to increase their income must not agitate the Negro problem. Positions of influence were only open to those Negroes who were certified as being, quote, safe and sane, unquote, and their careers were closely scrutinized and passed upon. From 1880 onward, in order to earn a living, the American Negro was compelled to give up his political power. Now, that's not just in the 1880s. That's today. Anyone who has worked as a server or in a restaurant knows that if you sue your boss for anything, you will go on an unofficial blacklist that employers in this industry pass on to each other, and you will have a hard time ever getting hired again. That's why employment law is often just fancy toilet paper. The same thing for tenants. If you're in a tight market, landlords get really picky, and they will often look at the case law and see if you ever sued your landlord for anything. Even if you're completely in the right and the court awarded you whatever they awarded you, a lot of landlords are like, oh, I don't want one of these troublemakers. This is why it's so important to think about the definitions the way that I've been giving them. That's why, in my definition, government is any person or body of people who make and enforce rules. Because there's the public government, the state, 
But there's also the private government, your boss, your landlord. It's private because those rules only apply to you if you've entered into some kind of contractual relationship with them. But they exercise all the functions and more of government, and there aren't the same constitutional constraints on these governments that there are on the public government, even though they often can decide whether we eat or starve. So cancel culture is not about whether you're saying right-wing or left-wing stuff. It's about whether you are crossing the boss, the person with the illegitimate power. What makes the private sector, especially the workplace, such an attractive instrument of repression is precisely that it can administer punishments without being subject to the constraints of the Bill of Rights. It is an archipelago of private governments in which employers are free to do precisely what the state is forbidden to do, punish without process. The owner of property is the dictator over that property, according to the rules of contract of capitalism. Far from providing a check against the state, the private sector can easily become an adjutant of the state. Adjutant, that sounds anti-Semitic if you ask me. Not through some process of liberal corporatism, but simply because employers often share the goals of state officials and are better positioned to act upon them. So there's no conspiracy, it's just that people in power tend to have the same interests. But people in positions of private power are free to act on those interests while the state is constrained because the state has some democratic input. Your employment contract, which is the constitution and the laws that govern your private relationship with your power structure, reflects only the bargaining power between you and your employer. Now this is another article. An Iowa court found that a dentist was within his rights to fire a longtime dental assistant he deemed sexually irresistible because her existence in his office constituted a threat to his marriage. So, you look a certain way, you've been working at a place 10, 15 years, and your boss is having trouble in his marriage, and he's too childish to just go jack off in the, the bathroom. That's not his problem. That's your problem. You're now fired, and you have to figure out how you're going to pay the rent and where you're going to work. And you have to explain this story somehow to your prospective employers who are going to be suspicious about why you are out of a job. And in the ideology of capitalism, it's all about the supposedly voluntary contract. But any of us who have worked in low-wage work knows that there isn't very much that's voluntary about this contract. But you see that this ideology reigns supreme in the people with the power. Because when they sign contracts, usually it is voluntary. When two equal people, people of equal power, sign a contract, usually both of them are getting something that they want. So they like contracts. So here's an article from Slate. In Atlantic City's Borgata Hotel, Casino, and Spa, Cocktail waitresses are not just drink servers. They are, in the opinion of New Jersey Judge Nelson Johnson, uh, sex objects. And the women who work at this hotel are called the Borgata Babes. 22 of these babes lost a lawsuit against the casino. They had alleged that the Borgata discriminated against them based on both weight and sex. So, if you... When you signed a contract to work at this place, you signed a clause that said if you gain more than 7% of your original body weight, like they weigh you in like a cattle, and if you gain more than 7% of your body weight, you'll be suspended without pay until you lose the weight. And in one case, there was a woman who had some kind of medical condition and she had to take some drugs, and as a result, she gained some weight, and then she got suspended without pay, which means she couldn't afford her insurance or her health care. So these women were suing, and male servers at the Borgata, they said, are not judged on their babliness or their poundage. 
Judge Johnson uh, found that the Borgata's requirements were legal because the Babe label was applied to a waitress with, quote, that person's participation. Plaintiffs cannot shed the label Babe. They embraced it when they went to work for the Borgata. Now, that is some dumbass capitalist ideology right there. And that is class, right? Judges in Canada, where I am, uh, 70% of judges come from either corporate law or the prosecutor's office. So these people are people who have been making fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year and up since they were 22 years old. So these people know nothing of what it's like to be a server or sign a contract out of desperation. These people always are looking forward to whatever job they have. And if they don't like it, it's just a stepping stone. You know, if you're made to do some grunt work, well, that's just my stepping stone to future status. And everything is always uh, a step up them. So this judge, when he ever, whenever he went to go uh, get a job somewhere, he wanted that status of working at this law firm. So he should be expected to accept the bad with the good. So he thinks that these women somehow wanted the wonderful status of humiliating themselves and being a Borgata babe because he has never worked at a shit job in his life. And that is class. Rich people, upper middle class people think that poor people are just rich and upper middle class people without fancy stuff. They do not have the experience to know the life that you lead and the difficulties that you have. They just don't have that experience. So when you face the system, when you see the judges, when you see the employers, when you see the police, the people in authority, these are people who are making decisions about and for people they have no knowledge about and situations that they know nothing about. They have learned the theory in books and they apply that theory even though it flies in the face of reality. And anyone who hears this, who has worked a server job would laugh and cry and throw up at hearing this. But to Mr. Wiener Johnson, that just makes perfect sense. They wanted to be Borgata babes. Now here's one more article about Corey Robin or using the work of Corey Robin. It's from the Boston Globe. Here's a short list of reasons you can be fired, put together by Brooklyn College professor Corey Robin. Not smiling at work, smiling too much, not being friendly to my coworkers, being too friendly. Demonstrating insufficient initiative, not being a team player, kowtowing to management, being insubordinate, being a leader, being a follower, braiding my hair in cornrows, wearing it straight, wearing short pants. I once had a boss yell at me for wearing quote-unquote short pants. Sporting an earring, refusing to do so, having a beard, shaving it off, fingernails too long, fingernails too short. Basically, the boss has too much power. It's illegitimate power. Now we're going to get into these, the morality or lack thereof in the contract relationship in capitalism in the future. But if you don't like cancel culture and you want it to stop, you should focus your attention on the employer-employee relationship. The right of the employer to decide whether you get to eat or not, whether you can pay your rent or not, based on whatever stupid, idiotic thing comes into their head. (laughs) 